Well, sometimes I don't know if I want any more. Ever feel that way? I just don't know if I want any more. I don't know if I can handle any more. I don't, know even, I don't even know what more means sometimes. Now, we have two weeks left in our more series. And as you know, this series started as a response to what many of us were feeling during the At the Table series, uh, particularly the parts when we were talking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, many throughout our congregation and throughout our staff, and including Pastor Brian, felt that we wanted to engage a little bit deeper into that teaching. Uh, we wanted to learn more about the Holy Spirit, and specifically, we wanted to learn how we could experience the Holy Spirit more in our everyday lives, and we wanted, we wanted more. Uh, last week, we saw that the only way to live the abundant life of Jesus is through the Holy Spirit. And this week, we want to look at what it means to live a more spirit-led life in our world, in service, in witness, in all the things that we say and do. Around here at Grace Chapel, we say, uh, what does it look like to live on mission? We call that living on mission, living out our faith in our world. Now, it's been a great series for a number of reasons. Uh, One, it has reminded us about the gift and the necessity of the person of the Holy Spirit. Um, It has also confirmed for us a a, a hunger that many of us have felt uh, in in response to the Spirit's leading. Uh, And and it's it's been a beautiful process in that way. But maybe, maybe you feel the way that I do sometimes, in that for me to truly enjoy something, for me to truly uh, lean into the, the power of something, I also have to recognize and deal with some of the tension that I'm feeling, and maybe some of the tension that others are feeling as well. So in doing so, it helps bring clarity to me. It helps really be able to appreciate the goodness, and I, and I hope for you as well. So let's ask, what about when I don't desire more? What about when I'm no longer hungry? What about when I'm feeling tired and fatigued? I know the Sunday school answer is that we're supposed to pray more. We're supposed to come to church again. Uh, We're supposed to read scripture. And those are all true and really good things, absolutely. But what about when you're just tired? Or or what about when you're tired of all the controversy surrounding the issues of our day? Issues concerning Caitlyn Jenner and the Duggars and our societal racial tensions, the freedom of speech and religion issues, not to mention all the tragedies and all the legitimate controversies, and all the, some, some of the even made-up controversies. What, how do we handle all of that? This morning, our, our senior pastor, Brian, uh, had this to say about, about Caitlyn Jenner, and it, 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 it gave voice to a lot of the things that many of us were feeling, and I want to try to paraphrase and, and get as close as I can for you. He said, about a week or so ago, we were introduced to Caitlyn Jenner on the cover of Vanity Fair magazine. The transgender reveal was met with a resounding celebration and affirmation, not just in the media, but around water coolers and soccer sidelines as well. How do we respond in a Christ-like manner? On one hand, we want to express genuine compassion for people dealing with gender dysphoria, and we want to affirm the dignity and worth of every human being. At the same time, we want to express our genuine concern over such invasive procedures and for the relational and psychological impact on the individuals involved and through society at large. How do we share our concerns without sounding judgmental? How do we preserve our relationships with people 
who may have a very different perspective on these complex issues. And he said, my point this morning isn't to go on a rant about religious freedom or to resolve the, the question of transgenderism. It is simply to illustrate how challenging it is to express our faith in a rapidly changing, politically charged, hypersensitized atmosphere. Navigating the cultural landscape these days is like crossing a minefield where, every might, uh, where, everywhere, where every night new landmines are hidden, excuse me, and the ones there already have been moved around. And he said, I've chosen my words very carefully as I prepared this introduction, but chances are I've upset a few people here already, and we aren't even five minutes in. Oh, man, that, that spoke to me. I was like, yes, that's what it feels like. This is a tense, filled world we are living in, right? And what about the many times when, when we are not really exactly sure what we should do, but there's things that we want to do. And it feels like this, but it's this, right? We talked a little bit about that last week. So if more is going to bring me more fatigue and more conflict and more frustration, I'm not sure if I want it. If more is going to bring me more of this fatigue and this, this headache and this apathy and more repression and more statistics and all this angst, why would you want it? If you're feeling some of this, I'm glad that you're here. I hope we can advance, uh, advance the ball, so to speak, and, and, and grow in this. Because I think we are the ones who really need the more. If you're feeling this tension, we're the ones who need the more. And so tonight I want us to focus on despite fatigue and conflict and apathy, the Spirit can give us power courage, and presence of God to live out our faith in the world. So how do we get there? Well, there's these two really great chapters in Acts chapter 3 and 4 that we're going to look at tonight. Uh, and, and I've had um, a few weeks to, uh, to kind of live in, 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 in those texts. And I have just really have loved the, these scripture passages over the past few weeks. Um, and I'm, I'm going to take a few liberties uh, with, with the text, if you don't mind. Um, and I'm, I'm going to, instead of change the scriptures, uh, we're just going to try to like Hollywoodize this a little bit, okay? So there's these two characters named Peter and John, and we're going to add a third character. Um, we're gonna go, he's, this person is a follower of Jesus, very faithful to Jesus. This person's charming, has got a great sense of humor. We're going to call him Tim, okay? <laughs> he's just a good guy, just, you know, not one of the original 12, but... You know, and, I'm, and, I'm, and Tim is actually not the worst guy to, to, to be this. Uh, Tim actually went to Israel um, when he was in college. Um, I'm not only mixing metaphors, but existential timelines as well. Um, but I, I, he, he, he has been to Israel um, and is not completely clueless to, to the landscape. And he was able to make friends quite, quite easily um, when he was in Israel. For instance, um, around the temple structure, uh, Tim made fast friends with everybody that was selling the, the olive wood souvenirs, you know, like the olive wood crosses and the olive wood, like, you know, Lord's Supper things and whatever. And, and, and one guy was like, he was like, hey, hey, my friend, I want to show you something really special. And he took out this like old box, like from like within like his, you know, his cart. And it was like this really old box and he it had like a lock on it. And he like, he opened it really slowly and said, this is a piece of Jesus' cross. And Tim said, hey, listen, man, um, I'm from New Jersey, 
maybe I'll sell you a piece of Jesus' cross. I'm like digging around my backpack for like plastic, you know, finding like, you know, copper coins. Like this was Jesus' cross too. You know, I was, I heard that just the other day, um, they actually found um, enough pieces of Jesus' cross, they, they can now put back together Noah's Ark. Isn't that incredible? The miracle just multiplies. So I would really like for us to look at the text with, with some fresh eyes. Um, in Acts chapter 3, um, this is how it really begins, and, and you, you, can, you can hear the imagination from, from it'll, it'll be obvious. But one day, Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon, and there was this man at the temple, at the temple a paralyzed beggar, who was carried into this um, every, every day, and he would lay at the gate of beautiful. And he would ask for money, and Peter looked straight at him, and he said, look at us. And so the man gave Peter his attention, expecting to get something. Now, daily prayers happened at 9 a.m., 12, and 3. And I wonder about this particular day. That guy was there all the time. In the, in the way that Luke is describing the text, it sounds like, you know, he just happened to be there that day, and Peter just happened to see him that day. But I, as a first century um, active prayer person, um, I know that guy was there every day. And I know that this wasn't the first time that Peter saw him. In fact, sometimes Peter uh, would actually give him money. And sometimes Peter would wonder, I wish we could do more for this guy. And I kind of wonder why on this particular day, Peter decided to say what he said next. Was he growing in compassion for people? Or was it, you know, based on the backdrop of Acts chapter 2, when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, was he just gaining more confidence in the way of the Holy Spirit? And so Peter said to him, these often quoted lines, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Taking him up by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk, and then he went with him into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. I mean, this is a moment. This is a moment. Wait, isn't that the guy? I knew he was faking it, some, some people might say, right? And then some people are, are, are actually processing it a little bit like, no, he was just healed. Nobody fakes being paralyzed for 30, 40 years. They just don't do that. Something incredible has just happened to this man. I think it's, as, as the third disciple who just went to go pray and was hoping that we would stop at, you know, Butros's Pita Palace after, you know, after prayer time. Um, you know, I, I wasn't expecting to see such a miracle. But this was, this was un- incredible. Now, when Peter says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk, he's doing two things. He's claiming the power of Jesus, and he's claiming this paralyzed man for Jesus. There's two things going on there. Using Jesus' name, and he's claiming this man. And people started taking notice. And if it, again, this is just in the backdrop of Acts 2. So, so John and I are kind of feeling like, oh no, here we go again. There, 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 there's, go, there's going to be a crowd that's going to be forming. And of course, a crowd did form. The man held on to Peter and John, and all the people were astonished. And they came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. And when Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? 
which I thought was a crazy question. What do you mean, why does it surprise us? Because this, this guy was paralyzed five minutes ago. Why do you stare at us if, as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? And then he gets serious. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. And by faith in the name of Jesus, the man whom you see and know has, was made strong. It is in Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him and that has completely healed him, as you all can see. Now, this is somewhat of a similar speech to what he says in Pentecost, uh, but, but he gets even a little bit more historical. And then throughout the speech, you'll, you'll notice, if you were to compare the speeches, he becomes a little bit gentler towards the people, even though he starts off with, you handed him over. And he's going to now uh, place a lot of that blame on the religious leaders. And this is going to be trouble for us all later, right? Now, the col- where he's speaking from is the colonnade of Solomon. And it's basically like a really long covered porch that, ru- that runs the entire length of the outer courts of the temple. Um, and so you can fit a lot of people there. And, and, and also, what's strategic about this, Peter was really smart, um, the sound starts bouncing off. So like, people can, 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 start, can start hearing and, and, and people can gather and kind of have a sense of what's going on. And he's also saying a few other things. I wasn't bit by some radioactive spider where I can just go, out, go along and start healing people now. I'm doing this in the name of Jesus. And I know the name Jesus is trouble for some of us. But that is the name that I did it in. I mean, people are now like, oh, oh, isn't that the guy that, that was crucified and then some people said was, was raised back to life? Isn't he old news? No. No, he's not, Peter's saying. And then Peter starts issuing a call to repentance. Verse 17 says, Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what had been foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. The times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. And he goes on, and he, and he talks a little bit about Samuel. And then, he, and then chapter 4 begins. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. And they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people. That's, that was their job. Proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put, him, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of, of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Now, I know some of you start to tune out when, when you start hearing speeches and, and Old Testament um, you know, words and, and, and names and, and all of that. Um, and it's kind of like the same kind of tuning out that happens when you're watching an action movie. Um, and like, you, know, you just want to see the action. You don't, you don't really want to hear the dialogue. Um, you just want to see like, you know, the miracles and the special effects and the explosions and all that. Peter's speech is the explosion, okay? That's why these guards are running out. That's why the priests are running out into the colonnade. That's, that's why the Sadducees are so upset. 
Peter is blowing up their theology, and they are angry about it. And they are so angry that they imprison Peter, John, and Tim from New Jersey. Now, by all accounts, it was a pretty good day. I mean, this man who was, who was paralyzed all his life was healed. And some, somewhere in there, that gets a little lost sometimes. For the church, 5,000 people started believing in the name of Jesus. And that was amazing, obviously. But if you're Peter and John, once the adrenaline kind of wears off and, and you're just kind of like, oh my goodness, what just happened? We're in jail. And the Sadducees are really angry with us. So there's like different types of religious leaders in, in Jerusalem. There's the Pharisees, who, um, who, you, who you always heard about, you know, Jesus arguing with the Pharisees, and they were good religious leaders, and, and they were powerful. But even more powerful were the, were the Sadducees. The Sadducees, they were the elite class. It was hard to, like, you don't just, like, graduate from being a Pharisee to a Sadducee. Like, it was a whole lot of politics involved and a whole lot of wealth involved to be a Sadducee. Like, that was the, those were the people who really ran stuff in Jerusalem. So when the Sadducees started getting involved, oh, man, that's just taking things to a whole new level. You with me? So if you're there, and you're, 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 if you're Peter and John, and the adrenaline has kind of worn off, and you know the Sadducees are coming, you might actually start regretting this a little bit. Yeah, you know, maybe we didn't have to heal anybody. Maybe we should have just gone about our day and just kind of prayed and just kind of laid low. I mean, we had just started this ministry and already, already we're in jail. I, and these are the same people who crucified Jesus. Those are the ones who we're going to be testifying in front of tomorrow. This is trouble. And Luke kind of just goes a little too fast over that. I would love for us to pause and, and kind of just reflect on this right now. Because it would be a very normal, honest thought for them to say, you know what? I just don't know if we can handle anymore. I, I, I just don't know. I didn't, I didn't know this was what, what was going to happen. I thought we were going to have like a good little run. I thought we were going to get our feet, you know, kind of, you know, going underneath us type of a thing. I didn't know like under, pretty much like just during three o'clock prayer time that we were going to offend so badly. We're out of our depth. Oh. Being there, that was a low. They thought to themselves, we're going, to be, we're going to get crucified tomorrow, for sure. They pray. We start praying. Lord, help us. Lord, all these things are kind of going on in our minds right now, and we have anxieties and fears, and help us to be faithful. Help, help us to, to truly live out the, the honor of your name. We're probably going to get crucified tomorrow, they start saying with a little bit of pride. They, they, start, they start trying to figure out if they can respond in a way that is very Christ-like. As spirit-led people, they want to be as Jesus-like as they possibly can. They start kind of going back to the day in, in the spirit-filled sense. Did you see the look on that guy's face when we healed him? I mean, he thought he was just going to get $5 from you. He's like walking and, and tomorrow morning, he is going to wake up. He's going to cook himself some breakfast. And if he wants to go to the temple and pray, he doesn't have to get carried there. He can go and thank God himself tomorrow. I think that guy's legs are better than mine, Peter said to John. Unbelievable. We almost missed this. I'm sure there was both fear and confidence 
in what they were feeling that night. Fear and confidence. Now, that is a paradox that we experience when we're faced with both the realities of life and the power of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever experienced that? Fear and, fear and confidence is in the, same, in the same moment. The text continues. The next day, the rulers and the elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, John and Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Now, you've heard these names before. These are the same names from Easter. These are the guys who held trials for Jesus. Now, Luke shortcuts a little bit of the story, and he says Annas, the high priest. Annas is like the guy behind the guy, okay? Annas is like, the, even though he wasn't officially serving as a high priest, history tells us that he served from uh, the year 6 to 15. He starts setting up his sons and his son-in-law to be the next sets of high priests. And Caiaphas was the one who had, had Jesus, um, he accused Jesus of being a blasphemer and hands Jesus over to Pilate. So Caiaphas isn't afraid of killing people, right? He isn't afraid of handing people over. And Annas is the guy behind the guy. These are the guys that everybody's afraid of. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and the people of, of Israel. It is by the name Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone that you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no, name, no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could not see the man who had been healed standing, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So, so they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, and then they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer in, to anyone in, in this name. Can you picture this? What are we going to do? I mean, if I'm one of the, if I'm one of the, the, the high priests there, if I'm one of the priests there, I'm thinking to myself, I don't know if I can take this anymore. I mean, look, we got, we got all these Jesus followers. You know, we, we, we got rid of Jesus, and then they said he came back, and then his followers are now, like, doing these incredible miracles, and, like, all these people are still believing in Jesus, even though we got rid of I don't know if I can handle this anymore. I mean, they are feeling so threatened that their power is being taken from them. They are, they are sensing the tide turning from, from the people saying, I'm not really sure about these guys, but these Jesus followers, oh, these Jesus followers are on to something. And I love this part where they say, like, we can't even deny it because too many people know about it. We can't even make up our own lie. We can't even make up our own conspiracy. The guy's out there with him telling them what just happened. What are we going to do? And so they think to themselves, you know what? We're going to intimidate them and tell them to keep their mouths shut. That'll work. So they call them back in. 
and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Of Jesus. But then Peter and John replied, and I love this line, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. We cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And after further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Oh man, what an incredible conversation that must have been. I mean, here Peter and John are like these just two common type of guys. They don't have wealth. They don't have status. What they have is the gift of the Holy Spirit, but no one really even knows what that means yet. And the the important people, the people who run Jerusalem are threatening them, and they say, don't you dare say another word. And their response is, hey, judge for yourself. You think we should listen to you, or we're going to listen to God? And they, they're not even, they, they walk out untouched. I mean, you got to feel, you know that expression, I feel like I'm a penny waiting for change. Have you ever heard that expression, a penny waiting for change? That's what the religious leaders must have felt like, like a penny waiting for change. Those guys just didn't do, didn't, they're not listening to us, they're not scared by us. They, they, they couldn't care less about this whole thing. That's a bad day. That's a bad day for the religious institution. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they, heard, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and, then, and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. And as they pray, they, 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 they went through the story of Jesus. And to skip down to verse 32, all the believers were one heart, were one in heart and mind. And no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had with great power. And the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there was no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or, or houses sold them and they brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone in need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, sold the field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. And if you remember, in the beginning of the story, Peter says, silver and gold I don't have. I mean, they don't, they don't have a budget. They don't, they don't have you know, funds to work out of. By the end of the story, they, they, they have something going on that they can actually share with people in need. I mean, it's an incredible thing. I also really like about, uh, upon their release, they don't come back and complain to, to their friends about what just happened. We were wrongfully imprisoned. They, they, they threatened us. They tried to intimidate us. And we're going to stand up to them. And we're going to gather. And we're... Their response was what? Their response was to gather and pray. And they also prayed through their narrative. Jesus, whom they killed, was raised to life, and we put our trust in him. And they went through their Old Testament history. They found identity in that, and they found mission in that. And they kept moving forward in that. I love their response. As you know, things get strange and complicated and messy during stressful situations. I love that the response from their friends was, 
for, you know, they didn't say to Peter and John, you know, maybe you guys should not have made such a spectacle. You know, Peter, maybe you didn't have to say, like, you know, call out the religious leaders like that. And did you really say that in front of the, the high priest Annas and Caiaphas? I mean, I don't even know if we can go out in the streets tomorrow. They didn't say any of that. Why? Because they felt very empowered and very emboldened, very confident in the power of the Holy Spirit. I love this part where, where Luke describes this time of uniting and sharing. I mean, if you were there, if you could be there and you could sense that, that power of unity and where they weren't like dividing their possessions, but they were sharing their possessions, you would probably feel something you may not have ever felt before. Wow, these people really are believing what God has told us to believe. Not like the religious leaders who say this and do this. These people really are believing what they say they believe. This is how Jesus wanted us to live. And we get to experience this. We get to live this out. That was probably a first for so many of them. And that's probably why thousands were being drawn to this early church community. And they almost missed it. I mean, if Peter just walks past that guy, probably like how he has done so many times before, none of this, has ha- none of this happens. Which makes me wonder in my own life, and maybe you'll wonder something similar, how many opportunities have you and I walked past where God was trying to show us something that was going to lead to something absolutely amazing, but we walked past it? A few observations for us. Peter and John were being faithful to the opportunities that appeared before them. Second, Peter and John, um, I think I have a slide. It'll it'll come up in a second. Um, And you can put them all up. Peter and John didn't overreact upon being arrested, although that would have been easy to do. Peter and John did not agree to the terms of their release. Peter and John went back and prayed upon being released. And Peter and John had confidence in the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, there's a lot to take out of that story, but I, I think those five uh, get us close. Friends, this is what more really looks like. And as we try to figure out, you know, the mystery and the power and the beauty of the Holy Spirit, I, w- I want to challenge you and encourage you this evening. We can't experience the Holy Spirit casually, okay? The, the Holy Spirit isn't something that you kind of trip over in, in the middle of the night and like, oh, oh, good, I have to make sure I have to be a little bit more careful. Kind of like the way that you might trip over your cat, you know, in the middle of the night type of a thing. The Holy Spirit is like when you step on a Lego, like in the middle of the night, right? And like you feel like you have just pierced through your skin and you're about to, you know, bleed and, you know, and, and, and things are just like, I'll never go back to sleep, right? Your heart's beating. That's, that's what the Holy Spirit is more like. We cannot experience the Holy Spirit casually, And I say this because we live in a world where you can get in trouble for just about anything. I mean, as Christians, you know, we we do need to learn not to be among those who overreact. As Christians, as spirit-filled people, we need to be among the ones who are responding with love, with truth, and as we see here in Acts chapter 3 and 4, with prayer. We also live in a world that is full of great need. As we keep saying, if Peter and John simply just go to the temple and ignore this guy, 
they do save themselves the hassle of being arrested and being threatened and being on the wrong side of these religious leaders. But perhaps maybe for, for the first time in his life, this paralyzed man felt true love and compassion from people. I bet you this paralyzed man woke up the next day and said to himself, there is a God who remembers. There is a God who cares. There is a God who reaches out even to people that society has forgotten. It must have been incredible to, to, to be that man, and it must have been incredible for Peter and John to be used in that way. If Peter and John do not heal this man, they, they miss out on, on the spreading of this message. They miss out on the 5,000 people being added to their number and to their community and what this does to the early church. I believe that God has gifted you. I believe that God has gifted me. I believe that God has called us to love and to serve others, many like this man, to live on mission to do extraordinary things. And so, friends, tonight as, as we conclude, despite fatigue, despite conflict, despite apathy, the Spirit can give us the power the Spirit can give us the courage and the presence of God to live out our faith in the world. That's, that is what we get to celebrate in this more series. That is what we get to live out. That is what we get to be stretched by. And so what is your calling? What is your mission? Who are the people that need to experience this type of compassion in your life? Sometimes we're not sure if we want more, Oh, man, that means you're the one who needs the more. As we enter into a time of prayer, I would love to encourage you to, to reflect back on, on this entire year of being in community together. Uh, we, we've talked about a lot of things since September. And as, you go, as we go through this time of prayer and as we kind of rewind um, the year through, through the lens of our week as, 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 we, as we go through this week, what has God been showing you this year? And I would, like to, I would like to invite you to reflect on that. And I would also like to invite you to dedicate the next year to God. Uh, Brian had shared this morning that this upcoming year, beginning in September, uh, we're going to be, our, our entire teaching series is going to be focused on Jesus for 40 weeks. Jesus, 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 40 times, okay? Um, and we, we wanted to, to feel that on any given Sunday that you can bring any of your neighbors and you know what's going to happen, we're going to be talking about Jesus in some way. And we talk about Jesus in some way every week, but the focus is going to be on how we can live and learn and follow and serve and love like Jesus throughout the year. And so we want to invite the congregation to, to, to find themselves praying and dedicating themselves to a Jesus-centered year. So will you pray with me beginning now? Father, we, we come to you with so much to be grateful for. We thank you again for, for the depths of your scriptures. We thank you for stories about Peter and John. And, and we also thank you, Lord, for allowing us to find ourselves in this story. Lord, we, we thank you for the gift of your spirit. And though sometimes we are slow to recognize how we can be empowered by your spirit, we pray that you would make that obvious and clear to us in the coming days may be obvious and clear to us right now. So Lord, we are desired as we leave this place, we desire to be changed by you in this way. It's in Christ's name we pray these things. Amen.